Lord Jesus, centuries ago, you entered into the city of Jerusalem on a donkey. In this Advent season, O Lord Jesus, we invite you to enter into our hearts anew. As we prepare to celebrate once again your birth, as we prepare for your final coming in glory. But Lord, prepare us right now to have you enter in in a new way. And teach us, Lord, to seek the des- a greater desire to know you more intimately. In your name we pray, amen. God's peace to you, friends. As you know, in this Advent season, we've, uh, we're, we're engaged in a sermon series for these four Sundays, and it's called Nuts and Bolts, the Building Blocks of a Vibrant Christian Life. We uh, introduced that last week. This series is built around the call that we hear out of the mouth of John the Baptist, the same call we hear out of the mouth of Jesus, and the call that went forth from the early church, namely, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. We're talking about repentance in this season of repentance known as Advent. Repentance, of course, involves an inner change. It involves transformation. It involves growth, turning away from what is wrong and turning toward God who leads us in the way that is right. The logical question, of course, is repent of what? We began this series last week by unpacking four areas in which to consider our need for change, our need for transformation, our need for growth. Those four areas, again, are morality, that's what we touched on last week, theology, we'll dig into today, vocation, and the fourth area is the whole area of therapy. Last week, of course, we talked about the first topic, morality. We discussed our character in light of the Ten Commandments. We talked about repentance in relation to moral change. We asked, where in our lives do we need change when it comes to our morality? This week, let's talk about our belief in God. That is, our theology our creed and confession. Let's talk about our Christian worldview. You know, there are any number of worldviews out there which are competing for our attention and our allegiance. One such worldview is uh, one that basically says that humanity, mankind, is the measure of all things. We are what is supreme. We are the measure of all that is good. Essentially, we are our own God. There's a worldview that says there's nothing beyond this life, so live it to the full, do what you want to do, eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow you die and there's nothing after that. That's one way people view the world. There's a worldview that says there are no moral absolutes, there are only relativities. So what's right for you might be right for you. Do what you want to do, but it isn't necessarily right for me. Do your own thing. It's a worldview. Contrary to all of that, of course, is the Christian worldview that starts with the assumption that there is a God to whom we are accountable and from whom we receive our greatest blessing. And a Christian worldview asks the question, 
who is God? Who is God and what has he done? It acknowledges that there is a divinity above us and that there is a spiritual realm beyond us. And it asks the question, what can I know of this spiritual reality that stands behind the material world that I see and that I sense every day? What can I know of that spiritual realm? One of the nuts and bolts of a vibrant Christian life is a desire to know God more and more intimately with greater, greater and greater clarity and understanding of who he is and what he has done, particularly in connection with Jesus Christ, the Son of God and the Savior of humankind. The big idea for today's sermon, by the way, the big takeaway from the message this morning is this. Knowing God with greater precision is a Christian's daily north star. Knowing God with greater precision is a Christian's daily north star. Are you familiar with the north star, by the way? Take a look at this image. Uh, you can use this little chart to help you find it in the, in the night sky. Hopefully the clouds will be cleared away by tonight. You can actually go out and find the North Star. Um, if you find the Big Dipper, which is usually pretty easy to see, and you follow the line from the outer two stars straight up, you come to the North Star. By the way, it happens to be the last star on the end of the handle of the Little Dipper. So if you can find the Big Dipper and the Little Dipper, you can easily find the North Star. It's an important star. It's, it's probably most famous for the fact that it's located nearly at the North Celestial Pole. So it's often referred to as the Pole Star, and it's been given the name Polaris. Now, because Polaris lies nearly in a direct line with the Earth's rotational axis above the North Pole, so to speak, Polaris stands almost motionless in the sky. And all the stars of the northern sky appear to rotate around it, as is seen in this time-lapse photo. Of course, it's because the Earth is spinning on its axis. The North Star is right above the axis. Everything else spins around it. Over the centuries, travelers in the northern hemisphere have made use of Polaris because it marks the way due north. In other words, finding Polaris means that you know the direction north, and therefore you can navigate to your destination. You always know how to find north. Look at Polaris. Now, let me ask you a really profound question. When it comes to navigating the meaning of life, and your place in the universe, what's your North Star? When it comes to navigating the meaning of life and your place in the universe, what's your North Star? From where do you get your direction in life? As I said earlier, today's big idea is this. Knowing God with greater precision is a Christian's daily North Star. That's what guides us on a daily basis. 
And that, of course, starts with knowing who Jesus is and why he came and what Christmas is really all about. As we heard in today's gospel reading from Matthew 21, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem shortly before he went to the cross, many of the people in the crowd asked the question, who is this? Who is this? How would you have answered them? Maybe more importantly is, how would you answer someone today who asks you, who is Jesus anyway? How would you answer someone who asks you, who is God and what can we know about him? Out of your theology, what would you say? You know, the question, who is this, stands at the heart not only of that text from Matthew 21, it stands at the heart of our faith in God, and it stands at the heart of our mission and purpose as a church. I have to ask you, though, how important is this to you? Is it your heart's desire to seek the answer to that question more and more deeply concerning God? Is that your heart's desire, to know God more and more intimately? If not, why not? Maybe that's something for which we need to repent. Advent is a time of repentance, of getting honest before God, admitting our faults. And we are called to repent of our lack of zeal for knowing God better. We're called to repent of our lack of interest in reading and hearing and studying God's Word in order to know Him more intimately. But even while we are called to repent of that, we are also conversely called to embrace the God who makes Himself known to us in the Holy Scriptures. We are called to we are called to know more intimately and believe more fervently in the God who reveals himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the three-in-one God, the triune God, who is three divine persons in one divine essence, three persons in one God. Earlier in his own ministry, uh, Jesus had asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? How we answer that question makes all the difference. I think one of the most uh, significant Bible verses in the Gospel of John is John 1, verse 18. It's often, often kinds of skip, oftentimes skipped over, and the meaning of it is missed. I think it's extremely significant. I think John 1, 18 is one of those you put a star by, you underline, you highlight, and you memorize. John writes, no one has ever seen God, that is, God the Father. But God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. God, the one and only, who's at the Father's side, that's, of course, talking about Jesus. The Son of God who became man, who ascended into heaven, is at the right hand of the Father. He is the one who makes the Father known to us. No one has ever seen God the Father, but God the one and only, Jesus Christ, who's at the Father's side, has made God known 
to us. So in your heart of hearts, when you wonder, I wonder what God is like. I wonder what God thinks of me. When you're asking those kind of questions, look at Jesus. Look at him in the Gospels and the accounts of his life. Listen to what he says. Observe how he interacts with people. See what he does for us. And there you have your answer. I wonder what God is like. Look at Jesus. He shows us what God is like, for he is the living revelation of God to the world. He is Emmanuel in Hebrew, Emmanuel, God with us in the Christmas miracle. The birth of Jesus in Bethlehem is nothing less than God making himself known to us in person. And then we see the essence of who God is most clearly on the cross of Calvary. For there we see the God who not only rules the universe, but the God who loves us personally. The God who loves us enough to die the death that we deserve for all of our sins and failings and, and all the times that we have gotten self-centered. He died for all of it. The message of the cross, of course, is central to knowing and understanding the true God. The true God gave himself for our salvation. The true God cleanses us from all sin through faith in Jesus as our Savior. The true God gives eternal life as a gift to all who believe in him. But no doubt, if you're like me, you probably still have some God questions. You scratch your head at times and you wonder, I wonder about this about God. So let me just ask you this pointed question. What is the biggest question you have about God right now? What is the biggest question you have about God right now? When you came into the service today, you were given a little three-by-five card. I want to give you a few minutes right now to write down your biggest question about God. And uh, later, we're going to place that in the offering plate. Um, I'm going I'm to actually shut up for a few minutes, give you some quiet time to write down. But again, here's what I'm asking you to write down. What is the biggest question you have about God right now? Pastor Seidler and I are interested in knowing what are the God questions that are on the hearts and minds of our members and our guests. What are you wondering about? What are you struggling with? You don't have to put your name on the card, but we want to know what you're, what you're thinking, what you're questioning, what you're wondering about. Write your biggest God question on that card. I'll be back in just a few minutes.
when the offering plate comes around, you can place it there. If you weren't quite ready to uh, write your question, that's okay. Think about it throughout the week. Write it down. Bring it back next week. Your key God question. But my friend, my prayer is that you will always be a student of theology. My prayer is you'll always be a student of theology. That is, you will always endeavor to know God as He truly is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for He is your North Star. Amen. May the peace of God which passes human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Savior. Amen.